Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm Brandon David. So I think the common conception throughout the United States and throughout the world is that cannabis is safe, has some medical value, certainly will get you high. Uh, but on the medical side, so much of it is still anecdotal. I know that certain things help me go to bed or relieve my anxiety, but when I try to convince someone uh, that isn't familiar with cannabis, I'm left with very little actual data and hard evidence. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We have David Goldstein, who is the CEO founder of Potbotics, and he's created this platform to capture and then redistribute this data, this hard data that doctors and patients really, really need. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go deep into the science and why that science is so important. It's a great episode, guys. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. We have a very special guest today. We're gonna to get into some real science today, science and cannabis on today's episode. We have David Goldstein, who is the founder CEO of Popotics. Such How's it going, man? Here. Thanks for being here. Such a pleasure. Much appreciated. So tell us, what, what's Popotics? So Popotics is a software and technology company focused on better understanding how does cannabis affect the medical communities. We're 100% medical facing. We don't do anything that's on the adult use side. But what we've been building is software and technologies to look at cannabis from a more objective standpoint. Mm -hmm. We do anatomical analysis on patients through our platform BrainBot, where we look at uh, their neurological response to cannabis. We have a great application launched on iPhone and Android called PotBot that really breaks it down to what kind of peer-reviewed studies have been done related to ailments. And while each one of our products is meant to really educate patients and give doctors more transparency to this industry, we really focus on building a back-end data cloud pipeline to allow us to really look at what are the predictive really futures of this crop. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that need more research and what is the white space currently mm -hmm. in the industry? Mm -hmm. And we're really excited about our innovations and we're really excited about where we're at right now. And why do you think that's so important that we look forward and, and know what this plant can be? I think you have to look at the past and you have to look at the market today to understand why it's important to look in the future. We're working, we're in California right now, which in a lot of ways has been a very, it's been a bed of contest really. What is California? Is it a medical market? Are people here just faking their licenses just so that they could get high? And I think when you go to Venice Beach in LA and mm. you see people, hey, $20, come buy this mm. card. Mm you understand the skepticism towards it. You understand that people think that, well, this whole thing's a facade, it's a joke. But when you meet the people that are suffering from fibromyalgia, that are suffering from epilepsy, are going through cancer treatment, they really look at cannabis as a supplement to their treatment, it's really a disservice to them that there is that more recreational adult use facing kind of tone to cannabis in the state, which I'm excited for the ballot in November. Uh, I think that'll be good to separate those markets because their considerations are really different. So when we look at today's market, you look at patients that don't understand why their medicine is benefiting them. They don't necessarily have a good method of under going through the process, trial and error. You know, they walk in, uh, they get educated about cannabis as much as the person in the dispensary understands it. And when we look at why does it make sense to understand the future, it's to really benefit those players, those patients that want to understand, well, what strain is going to help me lower my epileptic threshold? What strain will benefit me uh, and help me gain an appetite when you, I'm going through chemotherapy and mm -hmm. I don't want to eat at all? And that whole kind of indica and sativa conversation. Yeah, it's just far too nuanced, right? It's uh, far too nuanced. The new, new research would suggest that 
Yes, there are certain indicas that are good before bed, but it may be that actually certain purples are good before bed, right? And it's not necessarily uh, an indica or sativa question. And anecdotally, this makes sense because if anybody's ever woken up in the morning and had a little bit of indica and it gave them some energy, mm -hmm. that may be very confusing, right? Um, and so, yeah, we, we need detailed information. It comes down to the data. cannabinoid and terpene profile. I mean, there are flavonoids, there are other things to consider, but the primary agents as far as what we consider the medical backbone at Popotics is cannabinoids and terpenes. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the interesting things is that THCV is one of the main kind of cannabinoid compounds that gives people that burst of energy. Yep. Which you can imagine someone that has wasting syndrome, they're trying to get an indica and they're trying to use it uh, to help them gain an appetite. So that's THCV, THCV is also an appetite suppressant. Mm -hmm. So you wanna be able to educate patients about, well, what are some of the potential adverse effects and what are the potential positive effects yep. in a way that is much more meaningful and transparent, that isn't just, go find a purple Urkel out on the market when there's no one actually regulating what is a purple Urkel, what is a you know diesel Urkel, all the different variations of those yep. phenotypes. Yeah, on a personal note, I take great pride in trying to convince uh, non-smokers or people that are not interested in cannabis that this is a viable thing in mm -hmm. the world, both adult use and medical, but particularly on the medical side. Uh, it's really interesting because I often come at it from a very anecdotal place, Yeah. right? Because I know THCV gives me energy and mm -hmm. I, I know that other things are, are really good when I go to sleep and I know these things from experience. But when you go try to convince someone that isn't in the world, right, and hasn't experienced cannabis, you're left with a lot of questions, right? You oh, don't sure. have data to point to. It's very frustrating. Well, listen, it would be incorrect to say we've solved the puzzle and we fit the right. Rubik's Cube together and right. we have all the answers. But I think that PopBot is the best resource in specific for those types of people, those going through their exploratory phase, going, you know, there's really two target audiences that PopBot or application is really geared towards. One was people that really baby bloomers. You know, I like to joke, uh, I, I say it all the time, they started smoking because it was anti-establishment, now they're smoking because mm. it's anti-inflammatory. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it's a mental shift, but it's a different approach completely. And what we did is that we did an aggressive aggregation of all the existing peer-reviewed and scholarly articles related to cannabinoid and terpene okay. studies. So when you go into our platform and you say, we're currently servicing 37 different ailments, uh, and you say, you know, I'm suffering from insomnia, I'm suffering from uh, X, Y, or Z, if there has been peer-reviewed data linked to either that specific ailment or the side effects of that ailment, let's say you know we're dealing with Crohn's disease and you know potentially there'll be an article about inflammation there, mm -hmm. it's a way for them to see that wow there has been some research behind this. Primarily, that research hasn't come out of the United States. Right. Uh, there's been a lot of barriers to research here in the U.S., but you know there's been amazing studies out of Israel, Canada, Uruguay. Israel is the leader, though. Israel is the leader. Yeah. I mean, Israel identified the THC mm. molecule, identified the endocannabinoid system that is what really, how cannabis is absorbed into our body and where it gets its therapeutic effects from. So I don't think that we would have a medical movement without what Israel mm. really put forth. And, and why are they still the leader? I mean, why aren't American universities grasping this? Why aren't there more programs and more curriculum surrounding it? That's a great question. You know, there, there's two things that are happening right now. One, Israel has about 32,000, moving to 35,000 patients in their federal cannabis program. Yeah. There is very clear regulation on what it means to be a cannabis patient. You have to go see your doctor once to twice a month. Uh, they're all in what is basically a huge case study of how cannabis sure. affects patients. And they're tracking it right. You know, the strains are grown by the Fed. They look at the cannabinoid and terpene values. They then translate that. How is that affecting patients? And they're able to have 
this amazing resource to really not just qualitative data. I mean, the U.S. is full of qualitative data, subjective one yeah. through ten has can, but really quantified data. Uh, that's changing, though. You know, we look at where we were even a month ago, and the National Institute of Health basically said you can't do cannabis studies. And if you do somehow manage to get a cannabis study grant, you could work with one strain that's grown at this one university. So forget about the cannabinoid spectrum. Forget about this is what you're dealing with. This mm -hmm. is the strain that is represents all of these different phenotypes of cannabis. Yeah. That's changed. They just they just changed it to make yeah. it easier to do research. So I do see that changing. Yeah. But it's really been the barriers that the Fed put in place to that type of research and really bringing people in and working in really sound case study, really clinical trial-like settings. And that's, in a lot of ways, what we do at Popotics is try to build that bridge. What is worth looking into? What is worth putting capital and building case studies for based on quantitative and qualitative outputs on our system. So we see ourselves as being one of the data engines that helps drive that research. You'll never see us release a white paper ourselves and say, here's what we have found, because we're not working in those clinical trial settings. But we absolutely see, we're working with FDA compliant equipment, HIPAA compliant clouds. We're trying to be on the forefront of what the FDA would want if this was a federally controlled substance. Yep. And that'll help us build that bridge, especially here in the United States. I'm excited to see that research get started because I think we'll see a lot of promising things. Well, I'm excited to see what you put together here. Uh, let's take through. There's there's really like three parts to it, right? Absolutely. Can you take us through the, the three? Uh, so bridges? when we first started the company, we wanted to focus on what we saw as the kind of three major points of cannabis distribution. We saw them as cultivation, doctor-patient relations, and dispensary and consumer relations. Uh, we have two products that are currently in commercialization and one that's a little bit more on R&D. Uh, and we're going to walk through those today. Uh, the cultivation-facing product is Nanopot. That's the one in R&D. We have BrainBot here. Uh, this is our doctor-facing. Okay, let's start with BrainBot. Yeah, so let's start with BrainBot. This is an EEG platform, correct? Absolutely. What does EEG stand for? EEG right? stands for electroencephalogram. Okay. And what that looks at is that looks at really subtle electrical activity underneath the scalp of the brain. In no way are we recreating the wheel by wanting to look at what is the efficacy of a drug using an EEG. I mean, this is something that's been used to help validate epileptic medication, post-traumatic stress anxiety medication. And while it's not a turnkey solution for every single ailment that cannabis is currently kind of filed under, it's a great starting point for the one that actually has the most research behind it, which is neuropathic pain and neuropathic inflammation. Okay. Uh, with the EEG, what we could see is that we could literally see what is the neurological effect from cannabis. So for example, if this is an insomnia patient, are they more drowsy? If this is an epilepsy patient, is there a lower seizure threshold? It's an exciting field because it's a first step towards a larger offering of more medical devices, a deeper insight as to how is cannabis affecting patients because it very much varies on a case-by-case -case level, very much varies on who is the end user and why are they doing it. So this isn't something that a patient comes to a doctor and they say, you know, doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. Analyze me first and then give me cannabis and you'll give me all the answers. It's very much a, we understand why the person is looking to get medical cannabis. Let's look at what indicators are potentially benefiting them mm -hmm. on that cannabinoid level. And, and the overall efficacy. Of and the overall efficacy okay. of it, absolutely. Uh, what we did was that we started working with what is the smallest EEG available on the market. Uh, and the reason that we wanted to work with something like this was that we wanted it to be easy for doctors to work with. This is a wireless system. Uh, we use a disposable head cap uh, that makes it easy 
for them to use it in their practice. We wanted it to be practical. Usually, in order to run an EEG, you need an EEG technician. You need to place a one electrode at a time. Got it. And what we have here is we have a pre-gelled headset that makes it really easy for doctors to be able to work with this technology. It hooks it. up to the device, Bluetooth to a computer, and they're able to run tests. And usually the way that protocol works is that you run a 20-minute baseline. Mm -hmm. No cannabis induced on that patient. Let's see how that patient's resting state is. We ask that patient don't medicate that morning or preferably the night before. Mm -hmm. And then we work with very clear controlled different cannabinoid values. We currently use extracts. We're using actually a non-combustion form of inhalation, so it kind of looks like an asthma inhaler. Okay. Uh, and that gives us a control. And over what is that experience like? Is it like smoking a vape or, or what, like a volcano or what, what is it like? Pretty much, you know, you, yeah. they, they take a puff of it, it goes into the upper lung cavities of the lungs. Okay. They, there is a little bit of an exhale of a mist, and you usually see a neurological reaction within three to five seconds. The reason that we're working with extracts is to say we're doing an edible. That's a very long spectrum to start looking at. When did this start right. affecting a patient? Right. Edibles could affect patients anywhere between half an hour to two hours, mm -hmm. you know? So we needed something that was a quick delivery, that had a quick neurological response, but that also could be controlled. I'd love to work with organic plant matter, but there's just too much organic variation between even the top and the bottom of the plant. Got it. So people go through this test not so much to understand what cannabinoids are benefiting them, but they want to walk out and understand what strains help them. You know, what, how does that translate to me as a consumer? How do I actually go out there and purchase the medication that was benefiting me? Which is why we started developing PotBot. You know, PotBot is a huge database. We have over 500 strains analyzed currently. And when we analyze a strain, there's a lot of due diligence that goes into that. We go with a grower. We make sure, you know, where are they? Where they get their seeds? How do you know that this is actually this phenotype? We go test it ourselves. We never go to a dispensary and just on face value and say, okay, you say this is a sour diesel. What's the cannabinoid value? Okay, we'll take that on face value. Because a lot of it has to do with trust right now. There hasn't been a regulation body that really looks at, here is the genetics of a sour diesel mm -hmm. plant, mm -hmm. and that's how we have to move forward. Mm -hmm. So with BrainBot, what we're really hoping to do is get this as a means for doctors to have better follow-up with their patients. You know, How do they engage in conversations of titrating medicine, about dosing, about really making it a much more pharmaceutical approach? Uh, I know that a lot of people in the industry get scared when we say pharmaceutical. Mm. And, you know, we'll talk about what that, you know, keeping it schedule one looked like. Yeah. But at the end of the day, doctors need a means to better understand how is cannabis affecting their patients beyond their patients just coming back and saying one through 10, how is it benefiting them? Got it, right. So you've taken some of the data that you've gotten from uh, BrainBot, mm -hmm. as well as other research into the growers and, and, and then put it into this data platform, mm -hmm. correct? Which is, PopBot or the NanoBot, which, which that's PopBot. That's PopBot. That's PopBot. Okay. Yeah. And that's an app, and everybody can access that, or that's for doctors, or it's who, free. Who would, okay. You could download yeah. it. It's on iPhone, Android. Visit yeah. PopBot.com. You can launch it right let's on your take, desktop. Let's take a look at it. You yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to show you what it's like. Yeah. Uh, what we have here is I've already set up a profile. Uh, this is a patient. They're suffering from anxiety. They rarely medicate with cannabis. Okay. They we enter in some basic information: age, weight, sex. All that affects the algorithm. You know. Females that smoke often have a higher tolerance to THC than males do, so we'll most likely recommend a higher tolerance okay. to THC if there's something like pain, for example. But what we do is that the very first thing that we do is that we start educating patients about cannabinoid values. Uh, we start educating them about what is THC, what is CBN, and they could jump in and they could read, you know, why are we recommending this? What I love about this platform is it's as much or as little as you want. You want to dive in, you want to really understand what are these molecular compounds. You could actually jump into your dashboard and you could see all the recent peer-reviewed data done 
on cannabis and anxiety. These okay. are actual peer-reviewed journals. You cool. can jump in, you could read more about them. But let's say you just want to understand what strains are good for me. Yeah. I don't care about cannabinoids, I don't care about peer-reviewed data. You could just jump in and here are what are the compatible strains for your ailment. How did we get here? We got here by looking at what were the cannabinoid values? What were the terpene values of these strains? What existing peer-reviewed data as well as EEG data that we've captured that validate those cannabinoids as being effective forms of mm -hmm. really combating the side effects of the ailments that we serve? Uh, and what you'll find is that we have a very professional approach to describing what these strains are. You know, our strain descriptions, again, are 100% medical facing. So we rarely talk about kind of creative inspirational highs. We don't right. even include taste, flavor, and smell in here. Got it's it. all about why would this be a good effective strain? Okay, so we're looking at Pure OG here, right? Indica dominant, origins are a green crack, which is one of my personal favorites, <laughs> black water and juicy fruit. Potency is low, right? So what do you hope that people gain from that? That's just some background knowledge for the next time they go to look for a strain? Is that kind well, of Well, in specific right now, we picked someone on their spectrum. They said that they rarely smoke cannabis, which means that they've done it a handful of times. So the last thing that we want is to give someone a high potency Something crazy, strain. Yeah. So that's why we, uh, the ones that for this patient, we're recommending low potency strains okay. so that they could better adjust to how THC makes them feel. Yep. If they jumped in deeper here, they could understand that we're recommending it because it has a higher CBD quality than other strains available on the market. Uh -huh. And what we hope that patients gain from this is that when they go to a dispensary and they're asking for pure OG, that it isn't just a blind conversation. Mm -hmm. It isn't just a, hi, can I get a pure OG? But more of a, I'm looking for a pure OG that has roughly 8% CBD. Yeah. Do you have something like okay. that? If so, how much CBD does this yeah. have? Arming um, them with the knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was at a dispensary in Colorado and I was asking them, you know, do you have any high THC strains? I mean, I'm sorry, high CBD strains. Yeah. And she says, you know, what's interesting, if you leave your cannabis out, THC converts to CBD. So all of these could be high CBD strains. <laughs> and I just, what you know, a I, just I, I just smacked my face. <laughs> like, how many patients have you told this to that yeah. are leaving their cannabis out, thinking yeah. that it's converting to CBD? Wow. I mean, she was technically right. When THC oxidizes, it turns to CBN and you get a higher CBN yeah. quality, but to confuse people about CBD and CBN, it's just very misleading and these bud tenders don't have the knowledge. So one yep. of the things that we do with this is that we actually white label this platform. Yeah. So let's say you're a dispensary and you wanna have this. We've had, uh, we're working for example with Garden State Dispensary out in New Jersey. Okay. And what they have is that they've got a really cool mechanism where this is branded to them, yep. it's in their waiting room, but it's also the bud tenders are armed with iPads. And you can okay. imagine that experience. You come in as a patient, you already filled out your login in the waiting room or potentially with that bud tender there and they literally walk you through this experience. Okay. They tell you, here's what we have on shelves here and you could access this, that later. So it's a way for really dispensaries to have a better clarity, to build that trust and confidence. So you've done the white label deal with that place in New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. Anywhere else that you're installed yeah, currently? Colorado, okay. uh, we're working in Colorado and we're actually excited for California. We are waiting for that November ballot to better yeah. understand what does this battlegrounds kind of look okay. like, yeah. uh, but we're excited to start integrating here. And, and and what's the early feedback? I mean, what do people tell you that should be different You know, as you look ahead to the, the next iteration? One of the things that we definitely want to include into our platform in the future is a better feedback. We right now, it's a one-way communication. Uh -huh. We don't have a way for people to log their experiences or tell us, you know, how did that make you feel? So we are launching a better type of feedback engine that will involve patients be able to log their experience with the strains yeah. that they favorited. In general, we want to build a community. But when I say that, I have to be very careful. We're in no way building a social network. You'll never see forms on here where people discuss cannabis because we want to be 
one of the resource tools. You just want to know how effective the information you exactly gave them is. was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we want to better understand for them to be able to log and be able to engage with doctors in a really meaningful way as to how did that benefit them so they could look back to their previous usage of cannabis and say, well, I've noticed that these types of strains have helped me. And with our system, we could say, well, here are similar strains that have similar cannabinoid values. And if you really get down to granular, they have similar neurological effects. Yeah, so how much of this data, the EEG data, is making it into the pop-out data? All of the data that we collect through the EEG goes into our central cloud system. So all of the technologies that we work on work off of one central cloud that we've built. And I'm really excited about that cloud because we have an amazing chief technology officer. Uh, she's built graph reasoning and semantic web data pipelines for already over 20 years. And why that's exciting is because that is exactly that predictive model. How do you find correlations among data endpoints mm -hmm. if they're just raw statistic feeds? You need a system that's able to reason among these cannabis terms, reason among these cannabinoids, and really tie them to medical databases. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we have a full, really, cannabis and cannabinoid terpene ontology that we've created to be educated and be able to educate itself. What do I mean by that? It really it, it works on a system called triplets. And the way triplets work is that they look at subject, objects, and predicates within a sentence, and they build reasons behind them. So for example, we have insomnia in our engine, and you'll see that literally like a floating ball connected to a bunch of different lines. Insomnia is connected to other drowsiness-related ailments, but it's also associated with CBN. CBN has shown to help induce drowsiness to help insomnia okay. patients. And then you see that that connects to a bunch of different strains that have CBN. But then you start seeing unknown correlations, these lines that basically the system draws out that says, is there a correlation between this patient's response and potentially these strains mm. or these cannabinoids? Mm. Mm. It's worth looking deeper into. Got it. And that well, way you start- a predictive nature there to it. Yeah. 100%, and cool. that's when you start actually forming this kind of foundation, this actual stepping stone to what does cannabis look like down the line when you talk about dosing, when you talk about cannabinoid and terpene values. When you look at things like GW Pharma and you look at uh, Takuno Lam and what they're trying to do when they're looking at really this cannabinoid-based approach of cannabis and really making it a pharmaceutical medication, what is the validity to that? Is, there, is it possible to isolate a cannabinoid and have similar effects to the entourage effect, one of the hotbeds of kind of research topics yep. in the cannabis industry currently? Yep. Which, which just briefly is anything else that you've consumed, right? So yeah. whether you've had enough to eat that day, drink that much, did you have an orange today? Mm -hmm. All the other things that goes on in your chemistry that affects cannabis. 100%. Yeah. It's being able to look at that in a much more transparent point of view, which is something that has been deeply lacking in mm. this industry, but that we're excited to bring to it. Mm. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. So that's two parts of the platform. Absolutely. Then there's a third piece, correct? Yeah, so what we're working on with Nanopot, and that's something that's in research and development, is that we're looking at the genetics behind these seeds. And we're not looking at these genetics from the standpoint of what is a pure sour diesel, or what is a pure white widow. It's less so that type of approach, but more so what and what phenotypes of these plants really have a better promise for growing specific cannabinoid values. Okay. So what in the actual enzyme matrix of the genetics of that seed really benefit towards having higher CBG values or higher CBD values? Obviously, the environment plays a role in that as well, but it really comes down to strain genetics mm -hmm. that really outlie well, this strain potentially has... How do we potential. isolate the part of exactly. the strain that gives us the desired mm -hmm. effect? That's the so for us, it's less so, okay, sour diesel is, has high THCV, but more so this grower had a very high THC value within his sour diesel. 
what about that plant's genetics allowed for that to happen? I see. And that's something that we're very excited about, but it's going to take us some time to really understand the environmental effects, the controlled environments that we grow in and how that feeds back to genetics. So we've got about a year to two year window before we actually launch a platform that allows really cultivators to better understand on their seed level what has that type of promise. Right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you've taken this very holistic view at researching why people like the cannabis that they mm -hmm. do, right? Which is profound and something that we really, really need. Um, and aside from the science, which is super necessary, is where's the where's the business model here? You know, I mean, uh, are you making money? Are you raising money? Because you're doing a great service, I think, to the community. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, w what's in it for you? I guess. Yeah. So uh, we do monetize off our two commercialized products right now, BrainBot and PopBot. With BrainBot, we have a rent-to-own model with our EEG. Uh, the head caps themselves are a razor blade model because they're disposable. Yeah. Uh, and doctors really like this model because it also brings patients back into their clinic right now. One of the issues that doctors have is that they'll serve a, a patient, they'll write them a medical cannabis card, but then the patient doesn't really have a follow-up with that doctor. I see. Unlike Israel, for example, where you, you have, have to, to come in. Yeah. Here, doctor only sees them maybe a year later when they want to renew their card. Okay. Uh, you'll find that there's obviously exceptions to that rule. There's some doctors that really care. They ask their patients to come in. Let's talk about titrating dosing. So I think the question is how many, you know, normal practitioners are prescribing cannabis and doing this? Because at least in California, it's all other doctors that this is what mm -hmm. they specialize in, this is their practice. So I think that's the integration that we need to head towards. And I think that you'll see that type of really firming of regulation come this November ballot where if adult use does get passed, what does the medical community look like and right. what are the allocations there? Because right. you go to a state like Colorado and it's a different type of model. Uh, Colorado has a much clearer defined how can doctors approach cannabis, how can doctors recommend cannabis, how far can they take the conversation, how limited can it be mm -hmm. and you know coming from my home state new york that's one of new york's biggest issues they mm -hmm. spent so much money talking about who's going to get these licenses how is it going to be consumed what are the ailments no one actually spent time explaining to the doctors how can they mm -hmm. practice how mm -hmm. can they become educated you know right now they take a four-hour course that basically tells them here's what your patients can and cannot do but there isn't a single mention of cbd thc wow. cbn so doctors don't feel comfortable. So you've got this kind of crisis in New York. You've got dispensaries opening, but you don't have the patients or the doctors. And they don't want to recommend it. something that they don't understand. And they're just terrified that they're going to get their medical license revoked, right. which I don't blame. Right. You yeah. know, they spend sure. all these years and money educating themselves in order to get their medical license, and they want to recommend cannabis. I can't tell you how many doctors have come up to me in private, have said, listen, I believe in its attributes. I've seen the studies, but I can't recommend it to my patients because I don't know if they'll take away my license. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's too much what's too little that really onboarding doctors is something that is a bigger effort that I think every state has to undertake yeah I think Colorado has done a great job of it uh, I think that the uh, health board of Colorado has outlined it well but even then you have controversy in Colorado with four doctors getting their licenses suspended over recommending too much cannabis to their right. patients so right. So how many doctors are using it currently? We currently have 32 devices out 32 devices mm -hmm. out. And, and, began and what do they pay the you for for that uh, for uh, so it, the device itself is $12,000, which uh, if you're going to buy it outright is actually on the lower end of the EEG device spectrum. Okay. They really range anywhere between fourteen dollars all the way to $36,000. Uh, but what we do a rent to own where it's about $300 a month. Okay. Uh, we do about a two month, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a two year agreement with doctors. And it's been really positive. What they really like about it is that they have the ability to 
really earn more cash through their practice, but not only that, have a better transparency with their patients and better rapport with their patients because they build that confidence up. Very cool. And with PopBot, uh, we, we currently aren't monetizing on PopBot, uh, but our vision is to really have a venue for more medical-facing cannabis brands. Mm. Uh, one of the issues is that marketing cannabis is very difficult right now. It's hard. Sure you, is. Ca you, you can't market through Google, Facebook, Twitter, and that Leafly Weed Maps kind of marketplace is a little bit more adult use facing. That's yep. actually a lot more adult yep. use facing. So if you're a medical Jane, if you're a medical grade vaporizer, PotBot's a great platform to actually reach that medical community. So we plan on doing both native advertising in our consumption method tabs so we could educate patients about the best consumption methods that are medical facing, mm -hmm. uh, as well as actually having a type of directory feedback so that medical facing dispensaries could find a way to really position themselves and really target those medical facing communities. Mm. And with our back end, the dashboard that we built is really great for these dispensaries because they could see literally how many post-traumatic stress patients are in my five mile radius and what strains are they favoriting so I could better service them. Mm -hmm. So we're excited with what we're building from Popot. Uh, so while each one of our products does generate revenue outside of Nanopot, the one that is in its R&D, we really do value the data that we're building and mm -hmm. we think that we have a really transparent view of looking at this industry from both a cannabinoid and terpene perspective, but also from a patient allocation perspective because we understand what ailments are being served. And because you are fully on the medical side, what do you think the pending adult use legislation does for your business? I mean, it's on the, on the ballot in at least California, Nevada, Arizona mm -hmm. in November. What do you think that means for, for Pop Autos? I actually think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing because it helps differentiate the adult use and the medical market. And right now, you know, we look at California and there is that confusion and there is that stigma that everyone here is just pretending to have stomach aches to get, you know, cannabis cards. And those pain patients that are really legitimate pain patients are just making up this pain so that they could get high. Mm. That is a misconception about this industry. Mm. And while adult use patients do cite medical benefits, often they smoke for stress relief, help them sleep and things of that nature. That real medical facing community is really being disserviced. So when you look at those adult use laws the way that I see them, I think that it really liberates the medical community to be serviced in a unique way, in the way that they need to be serviced, and it stops really blurring that line between what was the adult use and what was the I agree. Patient. I think the medical community is seeking credibility, right? It's so easy in California to say, oh, well, those are just a bunch of stoners and yeah. they're calling it medical or whatever. And I think as soon as we acknowledge as a society that having adult use, recreational, and I'm not afraid of that word, recreational, mm -hmm. uh, if, if we say that that's okay in these states, that then allows the medical side to become valid. Exactly. Right? Because we're not bastardizing the system. Mm -hmm. The people that are seeking medical marijuana are seeking medicine. Because you better define the medical laws as well. Right, yeah. There Absolutely. We've been excited because we have 55 shareholders in the company right now, and a good amount of them are doctors. And the reason that we find that doctors get behind us is because they're looking for this type of transparency. They're looking for this more academic approach to how cannabis is being mm -hmm. really recommended currently in the marketplace. So when we we started our first round, which was a three and a half million three yeah three and a half million dollar raise, and yeah. we ended up being oversubscribed on that round. We ended up closing in February. And we are actually gearing up for a new round come October to really bring out some R&D on Nanopop as well as some other products that we're incubating right now. Got it. So three and a half million seed, which is very respectable. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Uh, and that'll take you, what's your, what's your runway? Uh, what's that three and a half million get to do? 
With our current operations, that'll take us well into next year. Okay. Uh, but with some of the things that we're trying to incubate and also build out in our platform, we want to work with certain universities. We want to really work and build uh, some very interesting tech that we haven't announced yet that'll really help. Well, th there's the camera. <laughs> Feel free. Soon enough. Come <laughs> the November show in Las Vegas, we're going to be launching a couple of different uh, really platforms that we've built out from our cloud. Yeah. But what's exciting about them is that it allows us not only to work in the US, but on a global market, and allows us to really onboard other countries that are looking to bring cannabis into the fold. How can we really bring this in a way that other legislation, le legislative bodies could be more accepting of these topics through, again, peer-reviewed research and really hard evidence? Very well said, hard evidence. So kind of the last question here is, you've gotten a lot of exposure. You've been in a lot of different places. I think I watched an MSNBC uh, interview. Why do you think uh, the mainstream media is interested in what you're doing? I think it really comes down to us being medical facing. It comes down to it being a more approachable subject. It's one that, you know, I, it's funny. You've got two different types of media coverages. You've got one that they just want to make stoners look like stoners. Yep. And, you know, they've got people taking dabs and that gets eyeballs on it sure. because I remember I saw the first time someone light a torch to a titanium it nail. It sure and I was, is outrageous, isn't it? What am I witnessing right now? Like, where has this cannabis movement gone to? Yeah. Uh, but I think that on the other side, they want to see credibility. They want the stories of, you know, like Sanjay Gupta's uh, CNN coverage. They want stories that show that this isn't just a phony market and this isn't something that is really just being used again by people to get high. Yeah. And where we fit is that we're absolutely servicing that market. So I think that when the media looks for questions about data and when they look for questions about what is the medical community looking like and what is the future of this medical community, Popotics is a really great place to talk about because we not only capture patient data, we're actually building that future data pipeline that better understands how does cannabis affect these patients. You're also a really good interview. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for man. being here, man. It's a pleasure. It was really great. Thanks for showing us everything. And uh, good luck to you in the coming future and the next raise and everything. It's been fascinating. And we need this data. It's we need this to exist in the world. It's been exciting to be here. And, you know, San Francisco is a very interesting city. There's so much great technology being incubated here for the medical cannabis movement. We make a joke. You know, one year in this industry is like dog years. Mm. It moves so quickly. Legislation mm. changes. Uh, even even the way banks approach it and the, how institutions are now looking at this industry. So I'm excited to see the future of California. I'm rooting for that November ballot. Me too. And you know maybe we'll be able to tag up a little bit down the line. All right, well, great to meet you. Thanks again. And thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next time. So did you like the show? Because this stuff costs money. Like we got lights, Jacob the director, Eric the producer. We'd like to be able to fly our guests out here. We go to Seattle. We're going to go to Colorado soon. All this costs money, guys. So if you like this show, if you give a shit about cannabis, head over to patreon.com slash investing in cannabis. It's a great platform where you can donate, you know, five, ten dollars a month totally anonymously, so no one will know that you like weed or that you're supporting us. Uh, but if you listen to this show, if you watch it, if you care about it, you know, just give five, ten bucks a month, and that really does matter. It really does help us out. So thanks so much for doing that, and I hope you continue watching and you enjoy what we're doing here.